0: Our worship theme for this month of May is grace. And these days when I think of grace, I find myself thinking of you and of this place, feeling so grateful to be your pastor, so grateful that we are in this together. Even when things are hard or challenging, I know deep down, maybe especially then, I know deep down this is where I am supposed to be. And I think this is at least partly due to the fact that we have been together here for a while now. And some of you, of course, have been here longer than that, for decades even, and I wonder about you, not in the way I made that sound, (laughs) not like, what are you doing here? I wonder what it's like, because I assume that there is something graceful and grace-filled in that kind of long constancy, isn't there? Maybe you wonder some days too, we all do. But in a culture that is constantly changing, that is in so many ways regularly telling us to keep our options open and to leave when things get hard, Sending all these messages that the grass has got to be greener somewhere else, right? Isn't in this culture staying put an act of faith that is countercultural these days? I love that hymn we just sang. And there's a line in the middle verse that always gets me because it makes me think of you and the power of community and what we have here in this place. It's that line, drifting here with my ship's companions, all we kindred pilgrim souls, making our way by the lights of the heavens, in our beautiful blue boat home. For me, church is all about connection. Being one another's companions on this journey, sharing our joys and sorrows, giving help and receiving help. And it's about being connected to that which is always more. It's about these horizontal connections we make and share with our companions and also the vertical connections to the heights and depths that we long to touch and that we are learning to abide in. There is one issue that I could take with those lines from Blue Boat Home and it's that word drifting. Because drifting connotes a sense of aimlessness, a lack of agency or purpose or intention. I think of a scene from the movie The Graduate. Some of you might remember that movie. Ben is floating on a raft in the pool, and all of a sudden there's his father. Ben, what are you doing? I'm just drifting here. And they have this really interesting conversation. My point for now is that Dustin Hoffman drifting on a raft in the pool is just a symbol for his aimless life in that time. And it's this great scene, but this may not surprise you. I am no advocate for drifting except as a respite and a repose from the work and struggle of our lives, which we all need from time to time. But I believe that we are made for effort and work and purpose, that we are meant to do what we can, while we can, while we are here. This morning we heard that ancient story of Jacob who cheated his brother Esau out of their father's blessing and then ran away from home rightly fearing for his own life. There's a pattern in these oldest biblical stories of good coming out of what was going to be expected to be bad and of new life being found in unexpected and even barren places. Jacob runs away and to his surprise finds that the earth underneath his feet is holy ground. He lies down in the wilderness and he takes a stone for a pillow and he has this dream of going up and down, of seeing these steps going up and down between earth and heaven. And this dream image of a stairway to heaven. There's a song about that. (laughs) It portrays the invitation and the requirement of being human, doesn't it? It could be that that story marks the evolution of human awareness when people became aware of those multiple dimensions of life, that we do hold at least two different things, also horizontal and vertical. First, the awareness that we are mortal, formed from dust and to dust we will return. And second, we are meant to have the understanding that that is not the whole story. As Wordsworth wrote, Trailing clouds of glory, do we come from God who is our home? We are meant to live with both an awareness of our mortality and at the same time an awareness of our divinity. That we have stardust in us, too. We are meant to hold both of these realities as best we can. That's the invitation. As Oscar Wilde once wrote, we are all in the gutter, but some of us are looking at the stars. And so Jacob wakes up from his dream and he has been changed by it. And he says, surely God is in this place and I didn't even know it. And I wonder, have you ever experienced this? A moment when you saw things in a new light or felt or understood things in a new way this is the invitation i want to lift up to you today this simple reminder to look at your life and see it as frederick beekner says for the fathomless mystery that it is look around And see if you might also find yourself saying, surely the holy is in this place and I didn't even know it. It's right back there in the back. Sometimes what's needed is not to change your location, but to change your perspective and your attitude. As we heard in that poem from Gary Bolhauer, if you are keeping track of the times you fold the laundry or take out the garbage, you are not an angel ascending or descending. When you curse the baby bunny eating lettuce from the garden, it is time to notice and listen how the angels sing of mercy and of bread. I hope and trust that being part of this church is helping you to open your eyes to both the beauty of this world and to the need of us to put our hands and feet to work, to help heal and bless our world, to give our hands to struggle, to do the work of justice. I hope and trust that being here helps you to open your heart a little bit wider, to lean a little more deeply, into this one life you have been given, to live an open-hearted life, which of course means you do feel things, including pain and hurt, but also means that you will find solace and joy and companions along the way. When I came here 11 years ago, I was still kind of new to the ministry, which I entered because I wanted to lead a holy life. By that, I mean a deeper and more engaged life. And I had a sense from the start that this was a place where that was possible, that what I had to offer and that what you were seeking seemed like a pretty good match for one another. But it also became apparent pretty quickly that this congregation needed all kinds of organizational help, from building new structures and systems to better help things get done around here to better support and leadership of our staff. These were things that I wasn't particularly good at Some of you may have noticed that. And to be honest, they weren't actually the things that I was that interested in. They weren't why I went into the ministry at midlife. But this institutional work was what was needed here. And if anything, I still believe in the institutional church. And so I did the best I could. I worked hard, I made some mistakes. I sought training and support. I learned, and we learned together, and together we made progress. To the point now, and I'm kind of amazed by this, we've pretty much got our institutional act together here. Hallelujah. (laughs) We have built this solid foundation here where not that long ago, things were kind of shaky. We have a stronger sense of connection and commitment here of what it means to be in community with one another. And this is something to celebrate. And it begs the question, what are we going to do now that we've got our act together? I'm not in favor of drifting sailboats have masts and spars and rudders and sails so you can harness the power of the wind and you can even travel upwind when that is where you want and need to go we have built this solid foundation we have this place of grace and potential And the question now is, what are we going to do with it? And where are we going to go? What is our purpose in this place and this time? What kind of difference do we want to make while we are here? You know, before you you hoist your sails and you set out from the harbor, it helps to have an idea of where you intend to go. And that's where you come in. Because even though I get to stand before you on Sunday and lead worship and preach sermons, this isn't my church, it's your church. You saw a beautiful example of that here last Sunday when a number of you wove together your voices and your vision to offer a beautiful and moving service celebrating our earth. I have an important role to play here as do other leaders, but it's not all up to us. What we're trying to be about here is shared ministry and shared vision And when it comes to the big picture, when it comes to setting a course for the future, we need as many people as possible to be part of that conversation and that discernment. We need your voice and your vision, your energy, and your experience I certainly have some ideas, but it's not up to the minister or the board chair to say, this is where we need to go. No, that determination is too important to give to one or two people. Because I'm not a CEO and we're not a corporation. We are a faith community. Acting on faith as a community. To this end, our board has hired a consultant named Liz Coy to help us do this visioning work, to celebrate where we have come and to start making plans for where we want to go. I hope you've already heard about the gathering that's happening here in four weeks. And if you haven't, check out the table at coffee hour and get one of our little cards. And I hope you'll RSVP and put your name on the list or email the office. We're calling it Creating Our Future, and it's a three-hour visioning workshop that will be fun and inspiring and will help us to set the course for where we want to go. You don't want to miss it, and we don't want to miss you because we need your voice and your vision. If you're brand new here, we need to hear from you. And if you've been here for decades, we need to hear from you too. So please make plans to come. Thank you in advance. Early on in my ministry, a colleague shared with me this article that I have kept close ever since then. It's called Staying Put, 10 Years in Ministry. And the author, Describes and lays out year by year what you're likely to expect in parish ministry. That there are patterns that happen in the first and second and third year, and so on. Like in the first year, you're learning people's names and trying to figure out which keys fit into which locks, both literally and metaphorically. And like Where is that switch to the secret bank of lights on the far side of the Murray Room? I tell people when you know where that switch is, you've really arrived here. So listen to what he writes to ministers in their 10th year. If you have lasted up to the 10th year and have invested well in your tenure of ministry, You and the congregation share a mutual relationship of trust, a shared corporate identity, and a common vision of ministry. Now is the time to begin thinking about the life of this congregation two or three generations into the future. Now is the time your ministry begins. I am so grateful to be here with you at this point in time, in this place of grace and possibility, grateful for where we have been and grateful for what lies ahead. And what we need now is a sharper, more clear vision of our shared ministry. And so I ask you my Spiritual companions. Who do you want to be? Where do you want to go? And what do you want to build together? Amen. Let's sing We'll Build a Land, number 121.